0: The Tablet Show, episode 46, with guest Dan Wallin, Recorded live Friday, August 17th, 2012. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Dan Waleen about building web apps for tablets. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support.
1: Online at TELERIK.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much, and welcome back to The Tablet Show. It's Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. We're talking tablets and phones and all of that stuff. But first... I need to say hello to my friend, Mr. Campbell. And happy birthday, friend. Hey, thank you. Yeah, it was a good party you threw. It was an epic party. And we uh, we grilled a little pizza. You grilled a little pizza. Apparently there were some leftovers and
2: you kept grilling pizza the next day.
1: Yeah, it was great. In the Grape City, uh, now Component 1, uh, cookbook, the .NET Gurus Can Cook cookbook, Richard, had a recipe for pizza on the grill. And I got to admit, I was a little skeptical because last time I had pizza on the grill it was at a restaurant and it turned... It- Tasted like wasa cracker. Oh, it's nice. Yeah, it was bad. So I was a little skeptical. However, Richard Campbell uh, did remind me that if you slather enough things in olive oil and cook them, they taste better. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very, very good. That's basically the secret: is to slather the crust in olive oil before you grill it. Well, anyway, better know framework. Hit me. All right, what you got, my friend? Well, uh, we had such a great response when I mentioned the uh, XAML toolkit, the WinRT XAML toolkit. Yeah. On Codeplex, that I thought I'd find a few more toolkits. So, did you know about the Windows Azure toolkit for Windows Phone? No. W a t w p watwhoop Whoop. dot And uh, it's designed to make it easier for you to build mobile apps that leverage cloud services running in Windows Azure. Huh. It includes Visual Studio project templates for Windows Phone and Windows Azure, class libraries optimized for use on the phone, sample apps, and documentation. It's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, no kidding. And I'm just thinking, what is specific to the phone for Azure?
1: Well, it's the client-side classes that use the subset of Silverlight that is the Windows Phone. At least it is for now. Yeah, for now. Well, that's cool. So there you go. Note, learn it, love it. Wattwap.codeplex.com. Yeah. Awesome. Who's talking to us, man? I grabbed a comment
2: off of an email, actually, but we should remind everyone the comment section of the tablet show is working perfectly now. And there has been a few comments there, but I couldn't let this one go because it focused on show 44, which is the one we did with Jeff Fritz talking about testing JavaScript. Right. And uh, this is from Michael Seidel, who says, Hey, Carl and Richard, a great choice of topic. I'm pretty new to unit testing as I started getting serious with TDD writing web apps with ASP.NET and C Sharp a few months ago. But already I'm in a position where I feel dirty writing production code without test driving it. Now we all know that JavaScript is here to stay and the amount of JavaScript code we write gets bigger and bigger. And of course, we just have to unit test all this code as well. Yes, we do. I would say even more so because, you know, the nature of dynamic code really needs to be boxed in by some decent tests if you're going to know what the heck it's going to do. I have personally not implemented the strategy for unit testing and continuous integration of JavaScript just yet, but there's a great article by Stephen Walther with a ton of references around unit testing JavaScript, and he provided a link to Stephen Walther's blog, which I'll throw up on the site. It's actually a couple of years old. Uh, And it talks about using Studio 2010 to do JavaScript unit tests. Uh, And Michael goes on to say, I especially like the approach to using Microsoft Script Control to run JavaScript unit tests in the Visual Studio Test Runner. With Visual Studio 2012, it should be even easier by using the custom JS test runner and run your MS test and unit tests and JS test with one keystroke and get all the results in a combined view. And this goes back to something that Jeff Fritz was talking about, the challenge of actually the infrastructure around Mm. running tests for JavaScript. Yeah. In the last comment of the article, Stephen points to env, that's env.js, by John Rezig, who's one of the JavaScript gods. Uh, which allows us to run QUnit without a browser context. So automating everything should be possible knowing these tools. Thanks much for the great shows. Listening made me a better developer.
1: Ah, oh, that's awesome.
2: And he also included a link to JSTest.net, and I will also throw that on the side because that's JSTest.Coplex.com, uh, yet another
1: great Coplex project. Mm-hmm. The source of all things good. Apparently. And we know Stephen Walther. Yeah. Good guy. Yeah, great guy. He's been on the show before. and Obviously
2: still plugging away on that. So uh, I will include links to his stuff. And uh, if you've got questions, comments, ideas for shows, uh, anything about uh, related to a tablet show, go to thetabletshow.com and you can click on a show and add a comment. And if we read your comment on the show, you will receive a coveted tablet show mug
1: just like our friend Michael Seidel. And there you go. So that brings us to our guest. The reason why we're here at all. Uh, Dan Walline founded the Walline Group, ww.thewaleen group, and that's W-A-H-L-I-N, which specializes in .NET, Silverlight, and SharePoint Consulting, as well as on-site and online training solutions. He is a Microsoft Regional Director and has been awarded Microsoft's MVP Award for ASP Net, Connected Systems, and Silverlight. Dan is on the INETA Speakers Bureau, speaks at conferences and user groups around the world, and has written several books on .NET, such as Professional Silverlight Development, Professional ASP.NET 3.5 Ajax, ASP.NET MVP Hacks, and Tips and XML for ASP.NET Developers. Dan blogs at weblogs.aspnet slash and writes regular columns for Dr. Dobbs and Dev Connections Pro Magazines. Welcome back, Dan.
0: Great to be back, guys. Always good to talk to you.
1: Show number two, you were on last.
0: Yeah, was it show number two? Wow, Yeah. I didn't make number one. That's kind of a bummer.
1: October seventeenth, twenty eleven.
0: Yeah, that was a while back. I remember. I think we were in Vegas, I believe.
1: Yeah, we were in Vegas at a at a connections conference there. A few things have changed since then.
0: Yeah, just a few. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't remember uh, everything we went into then, but yeah. And when, when what was the date on that? Do you say?
1: Uh, October 17th,
0: 2011. Holy cow, yeah. So since then,
1: Silverlight has sort of become the new Windows Forms, and uh, HTML5 we're referring to as classic. So what's up with that?
2: I I don't know. I'll tell
0: you, I always say that uh, if you're bored in the technology world, you're just not trying hard enough. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, it's so true.
1: constantly changing. Amazing. So true. And, uh, you know, somebody sent us an email, and we'll probably read this on the air, but... It's an old story, you know, that the um, company invested a lot in Silverlight and is wondering, you know, what's going on with it and is going to die and all that. It's an old fear. And uh, I think your name of your show was Don't Believe the Hype. But since then, Silverlight as a Windows, uh, sort of a Windows Forms replacement, you could know, think of it that way, has really, really grown up and is still completely viable in the enterprise. There's, it's just not as—it's uh, not the ubiquitous web technology that we thought it was going to be. Exactly. But as f- as far as a client side technology, man, I mean, we have full access to the file system. We've got um, out of browser elevated trust. We've got all these great things, and of course, delivery is drop dead easy.
0: Yeah, I uh, I think your Windows form analogy is perfect because that's exactly where we're at with it, I think, you know, and it's like, I still know of companies building Windows Forms apps, Yep, and they're not planning to change, and it's just, you know, uh, I remember uh, when this was first announced, you know, WPFE, not to go too deep into that side of it, but I was actually up at Microsoft, and um, got to see it, and we were all pretty excited, but... Everybody's got to keep in mind, man. That was before iOS. That was yep. before Android. Yep. That was before all this stuff.
1: So right. now we got uh, rumors of Windows 8 tablets hitting at 199 bucks. And yeah, although I saw an article today that Lenovo said that they will be in the two to three hundred dollar range. The ARM tablets. I saw that
0: Lenovo one. It looks pretty nice, actually. Yeah. We'll we'll see in person, but
1: yeah, we'll see. And if those tablets that the third party vendors are in the two to three hundred dollar range, a uh, Microsoft Surface RT or whatever you call it uh, at one ninety nine is going to really make people mad. <laughs> I think so.
0: All the partners will not be as partner ish.
1: Not so partner ish. <laughs> Well, it's
2: almost too cheap. Like that's at the point where you know the components cost substantially more. Than that at which point do you cross
1: the "I'm giving you a good deal" and go into the "I am ruining a market"? And especially what happens with Samsung because they're partners and
0: yeah, I you know I honestly thought that four ninety nine would have been for for everything they announced for that thing because it's pretty hefty duty, you know. Um I, I thought if they did four ninety nine, it'd be good. So yeah. I don't know. We'll see if one ninety is true, but that sure that sure seems low to me.
1: It seems a little low too. I, I
2: hope I'm wrong. That'd be awesome. Now it'd be a reflex buy. You know. Oh the, yeah. It's amazing the difference between a one ninety nine price and say a three ninety nine price. Which sure. Is the number that's sort of when you talk about a base iPad two, it's three ninety nine. I think that's what they'll probably aim for. But yeah. And, and now we get back to this. I'm just not used to Microsoft not commenting. That's just weird.
0: Kind of a bummer, too.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> especially, you know, going back to the old days where it was pretty open, especially on the .NET and the ASP.NET side. And, yeah, it's just a different model now, isn't it? Big shift. Yeah.
1: So Windows 8 came out over the, over the week. And uh, did you um, install it, get it, check it out?
0: I did. I have it on my main PC, actually. I've been meaning for months to wipe out. You know how you build up the uh, cobwebs over... A year or two and uh, you're just like, ah, I need to repave the whole thing.
2: That, that's right. a polite way of saying it. I usually say software is fatty food, and my computer needs an angioplasty.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's actually much better. <laughs> well, my, mine was in serious need of an angio I mean, it could have had a heart attack any day. <laughs> and, you know, you open things, and you see the little guy spinning, spinning, and you're like, son of a... Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I repaved the whole freaking thing. You know, I will say, that's the nice thing about all these cloud services, like Dropbox. Box and you know whatever it may be because once that stuff's up there you're not you know how you get that nervous feeling you got to install and you're like man what am i forgetting
2: yep right and you
0: have a backup and all that but still you're like i don't want to have to do it and so actually it went really smooth i'll tell you on uh on my main pc which isn't even that new i mean the box is probably two years old less than well i say about 10 to 12 minutes and then on, I just got the new MacBook Pro uh, Retina, and man, on that thing, I installed it with Boot Camp and less than 10
1: minutes. Hmm. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah, you know, I was watching the, uh, the the mailing list, the regional director alias, and uh, Mark Dunn, I don't think I'm I'm exposing any secrets here when I was just watching Mark Dunn talking about all the computers that he installed on. He says... I've basically installed Windows 8 on five or six computers with no issues, no driver issues. He says, I'm feeling very Jedi. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jedi foo. Yeah. It, it's by far the easiest to install of anything they've ever come out with. And the speed is pretty amazing. I mean, you're like, seriously, you're done? It's like, no way. Yeah. And it just, it pops up. And I'll tell you, the, I'm sure you guys probably have it going. I don't know. You guys travel so much, you probably don't have time to reinstall, but... The uh, you know boot-up time, holy cow. It got yeah. even better with the uh, final release, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, it's going on my, all my machines, pretty much. So um, what have you been working on technically lately in terms of tablets and phones?
0: You know, the biggest thing uh, we've been doing, we had a product which, I don't know, we may or may not have talked about it last time, but it was a customer here locally. Uh, that targets home builders. And uh, the app we built was designed for the web, but they also wanted to run on iPad and things oh. and you know, eventually surface. Um, they wanted to go with Silverlight initially, but then the iPad board came up, and uh-huh. of course that quickly changed things. Um, when we built that app, uh, it was all jQuery. So we used a lot of JavaScript patterns, a lot of jQuery, and um, it's only been out for... I don't know, maybe three months. Since then, um, I think the big shift I'm seeing, and and this is kind of one of those, if I were to rewrite that app today, I would have gone that jQuery is what I call, and I'm a big jQuery fan. Let me qualify that up front. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I use it just about every day with our projects and things. But jQuery is definitely a what I call con- uh, control-oriented way of programming. Mm-hmm. Meaning that you have to go find the ID and then, you know, get the control and then shove data into it. And then when they hit the button, you got to grab it back out. And, you know, know, there's no concept of data binding, of course. Right. Um, You could use templates, but still it's not like we're used to in, in, you know, go back to Silverlight, for instance. It's just not how it works. So the big thing we've been doing a lot with lately is uh, some of these what I call data-oriented frameworks. And then combining that with that whole responsive design so that you can have an app that, you know, if you do it right, could look good on not only the browser, but on different tablets. And and it's a big deal with responsive design because, you know, the big rumor now is that there's going to be an iPad, what is it, 7-inch or something like that? Yeah, an
2: iPad mini.
0: Yeah, you know, who knows? But that just kind of illustrates the point that you can't just architect for the one screen size, and I think that goes without saying anyway, because aren't the, uh, I don't have one, but uh, Kindles are all, aren't they about seven inches yep. or something like that? Yeah. So, responsive design is one of the huge things that um, when we go, we've been working with a lot of customers, uh, some of them are on the large side lately, and they have a ton of developers who are awesome, at like jQuery uh, and just web and JavaScript in general, But they're now being asked by their bosses to build these apps that are uh, not only responsive, but also uh, try to integrate more of a a framework, such as like MVC, as an example, or MVVM, and have data binding and things. And so those are the two big kind of things we've been doing a lot lately that relate to tablets are responsive design, you know, CSS media queries, um, or even... ASP.NET 4 is going to have some of the mobile uh, features where you can dynamically load a mobile view. That's pretty cool. Um, But then also this data-oriented programming, which I need to come up with a more succinct term, but that's what I call it now. And I don't know, you guys, I don't know if you've ever had like uh, Steve Sanderson on at all. He's a smart guy. bet. You know, Knockout's a great example of a data-oriented framework because it's like Silverlight Data Binding or WPF where you can have the two-way bindings and the control. I kind of say, you know, the only reason we even need controls is end users. Of course, that's what we build for most of the time anyway. Yeah, funny. um, But if we didn't have to, then we don't really care about controls. Everybody focuses on them. But, like, if you've done Silverlight or WPF, You know, you'll know that controls are just sort of there. I could care less about the control. Um, So the data-oriented with JavaScript, you can do the same thing now. And, uh, you know, Knockout's really popular, especially in the .NET crowd. Uh, My personal favorite nowadays is it's a little more of a framework rather than just a library. And it's called AngularJS. I don't know if you guys have played with that at all yet. but. Uh, It's actually a very cool framework. It's not only data binding, but it'll handle your uh, AJAX calls, it does routing, uh, and a whole bunch of stuff,
2: actually. Hmm. The first thing that jumped out to me in your whole description here is, you know, I've gotten used to this concept of responsive design. I love finding sites like that, where when you resize the window, the controls literally change. You know, something that was a grid can shrink down to become a combo box, can shrink down to just be a button or something. But yep. when you try and combine that with data binding, that sounds terrifying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, that's the cool thing, though, with the data binding is if you did the control oriented way, um, you know, you may actually have to swap out something or whatever yeah. based on size. And now, you know, you have to write extra code to go find different controls or whatever it may be. Whereas with the, uh, the whole data binding concept. I don't really care what control I put in, right. but I could have, you know, two controls, one of them's hidden, one's not, as a, just as, as an example, and, uh, you know, as both of them change, or one of them changes, the other's invisible, then the data automatically gets updated in my, you know, whatever you want to call it, your view model, or uh, whatever the term people like to use nowadays. So it's it's pretty cool, especially, you know, if you have a background in data binding, even you know, go way back to Windows Forms like we talked about. That's just a common thing. We have right. never really had it in the web. And it's it's those are the two big trends though, that I'm seeing are a lot of responsive design, which kind of makes sense with all these devices. And then this kind of data binding or data-oriented programming. It's a different way of thinking, though.
2: Yeah. I and mean, I take your point that actually data binding is a better solution to responsive web design Exactly. Doing the, hooking this up by hand exactly because mm-hmm. we're so used to what you just said you know kind
0: of the by hand programming yeah. control oriented where the control is like the gateway you know but once you wrap your head around it's amazing how the the light bulb goes on with people as you talk to them they're like oh wow so i don't even have to know the idea of the control they are yeah. like no no not at all
2: yeah why do i care
0: exactly
1: This portion of the tablet show is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET Ajax, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls, to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems, all of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash free stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources, such as documentation and forms. Go to slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting the Tablet Show. So the the thing about Knockout is um, um, the the data binding is great, which allows you to do these sort of you know as I uh, kind of Windows formy type applications in JavaScript. Um, is the is the UI stuff good enough? I mean, do you, do you just get access to the standard uh, JavaScript controls, or is there stuff in Knockout that goes beyond sort of the standard stuff? Well,
0: it's more, think of it, I guess, more as it's the library that enables. It's the enabler for the data binding. Right. Um, it's You know, you can build custom plugins for Knockout, actually, um, but it's definitely... It's not so much focused on controls at all as it is the data binding, I guess, is the best answer. Right. Now, thing, there's other, I mentioned Angular. Angular's is actually, um, it's anglerjs.org, by the way, and it's actually a Google project. Um, it turns out that, I guess, internally, they built this framework, you know, they were using for their data binding and all this stuff. And then I guess, you know, somebody said, hey, you know, maybe others would like this, and they released it. Latest version, last I looked, which is probably yesterday, actually is uh, 1.01, I believe. So it's you know it's past the one mark, which in JavaScript is kind of a big deal. <laughs> There's so many libraries that are you know .02 or something, but um, it actually will let you build uh, custom controls. And the kind of the difference between those two, Knockout is awesome. It's kind of a little more of a niche, I would argue. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of hey if you just want to do data binding then hey you could use this Angular is more of a framework it's think of it almost like you know .NET for JavaScript but obviously not nearly that big. Um, not only does it do the data binding but you can build custom uh, controls if you will.
2: Yeah.
0: You can do uh, your own service layer. Uh, the routing's really cool because you know I could say slash foo and it will automatically know what view to load dynamically,
2: mm-hmm.
0: load it, bind it, and it has these things called modules that are kind of like the, uh, almost like MVC controllers. And that's how you, uh, you know, kind of hook up your stuff uh, to your view. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I You know, we haven't used it in production yet. i um, still playing around with it, but I'm, I've been pretty impressed with it so
1: far. One of the things that Google claims, uh, you know, is a great feature of Angular is that it was designed from the get-go to be testing-oriented, testable. Yep. So uh, right from their website, it encourages behavior view separation, comes pre-bundled with mocks and takes full advantage of dependency injection. Also comes with end-to-end scenario runner, which eliminates test flakiness by understanding the inner workings of AngularJS. So that's that's compelling.
0: Yeah, it's pretty interesting. You know, and then there's other, just so many. There's uh, Backbone. There's another popular MVC one that'll do some of this. Uh, Meteor, uh, Ember. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. And so it, definitely, you can see that the more of these come out, then obviously there's something to it. Because I mean, there's probably there's probably ten frameworks um, I can think of, kind of off the top of my head, not right now probably, but <laughs> if I think more, right? That do this kind of thing. So
2: pretty neat. It it just speaks to an interesting ecosystem. I mean, we I want to be enthusiastic about all these libraries popping up at the same time. It's like, are we groping around trying to solve a problem here and that most of these uh, libraries are going to die? But and it, as we try to find the ideal solution to doing what is clearly complex development using web, using HTML five.
0: Yeah. I, uh, if you've ever worked with, um, Java as an example, they have, you know, a million open source things that a lot of projects I see, there's one company in particular in New York that we usually go back to every summer and do some work with.
2: Uh-huh.
0: And just to get some of the projects going, and this is not a knock on Java. This is just their choice of what they chose to include with Java. If you don't get every single dependency, right? Um, you know, and they use a whole framework called Ivy to resolve mm-hmm. these dependencies. Then you can't even run your stupid code. Right. I mean, it won't even. You can't run tasks, You can't do anything. And I kind of, I what you brought up is kind of funny because I worry about that. Let's say that you have an app that uses, uh, you know, one of these data binding frameworks, whatever it is. Well, then on top of that, you have, you know, Bootstrap for some of the UI goodness of, you know, Twitter released it. Um, jquery jquery ui and you know there's like a million plugins and yeah i worry about what happens in say three to five years when these frameworks are gone and you find out there's an incompatibility between your old framework and this new one that came out that yeah. you want to use what are you going to do and yeah i that is a kind of worry
1: you know in many ways as net developers we're spoiled. Because we have this beautiful framework that uh, abstracts away all that goo that is just there, and yep. it's either all there or not all there, and there's only one. Like there's not a you know bazillion companies competing, uh, you know, to to give you a better net framework.
0: Yeah, and that's where not to go too deep down this one because this is definitely a tangent, but. You know, everybody talks about vendor lock-in, and uh, that particular, I think, is a situation where it's proven over the last 10 years that if you built your app on the framework, I doubt you've had any. I mean, I'm not going to say there's not issues here or there. No framework's perfect, but it's probably been pretty smooth. Yeah. You know? And whereas when you start to integrate all of these kind of different scripts that you know you didn't write them and you know that's the other challenges you have no idea how good the developer was or how much they did test now a lot of the good scripts out there do have tests with them mm. uh so you know that's nice but it, it's definitely uh you know it's a little challenging I, I don't think anybody really thinks about well what happens when everybody on this current team uh they moved on to another job yep Who's going to maintain
2: this? You know, you, you're slowly poking at one of the challenges in general at open source, which is that we've coded ourselves in this blanket of, oh, I can always get access to the source, but nobody actually wants it. No. Right? <laughs> I actually, I just wanted the library that worked.
0: <laughs> have you ever looked at the jQuery uh, source? I have.
2: It's, Terrifying, you better be really, really good at JavaScript. It's like you need to channel your Doug Crockford to even read this
1: stuff.
2: <laughs> I mean, seriously, I, I describe it as
0: you know, if you've ever you know hit F11 and you're in debug mode, whether it's in the browser or Visual Studio, you get in the jungle and you may never come out.
2: Yeah, when it pops open, it should just say, There be dragons, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and it's okay, and it's always this presumption at that point, and it's the correct presumption I have done something wrong to make this library angry at me. <laughs> and I will now go fix my code because going in there is just crazy talk.
1: It yeah. was written by aliens, that's why.
2: Yeah.
0: Pretty much. I mean, it's some advanced, you know, some of these libraries are some pretty advanced. I'll look at it and go, holy crap, I didn't even know you could do that in JavaScript. So some interesting hacks they they do for work around. Yeah.
2: I did not know there were pentagram symbols in JavaScript. <laughs> oh, i <laughs> That's right. Harness the Balrog interface. <laughs> <laughs> some secret codes. and. <laughs> hey, Dan, I want to jump back to the project you're working on where you sort of got whammied with this, okay, we're, we're going to use iPads too. Yes. So now you're building an HTML5 app that is going to work on regular laptops, maybe some desktops, maybe some phones, iPad, someday Surface. Like, what does the UI look like? Because now it's sometimes a mouse, sometimes touch, sometimes just a thumb.
0: Yeah, and you know that that came up. Um, I will have to say, at this point, it is definitely more um, browser-centric looking UI. Sure. Because the amount of data that had to be fit into this particular app and the one I'm talking about, it's actually been done and it's kind of out the door now, but right. it definitely is not what I'd call touch friendly. You're going to have to do a little pinch to zoom action, yeah. you know, because there's a lot of data grids as an example. And, uh, you know, a click on each row, unless if you have a finger, my size, good luck.
2: <laughs> that's true.
0: Because you're just not going to hit it. I mean, bottom yeah. line. So yeah, that's not you know, that's definitely another challenge. And I think that's where, uh, It's funny, I had a guy, it's been a couple months ago, but in some of the training classes we do, I had a guy come in, and it was an HTML5 class at the time, and he goes, I've been doing, you know, web development for, I think he said 17 years, and I I stopped, I'm thinking... Starting to do the math and going... uh, Yeah, I'm like, uh, 17, and I was like, no, that's, he he could have, in fact, I've almost, not quite that long, but just about.
2: That's Netscape 2. Yeah. Yeah?
0: Yeah. And, uh... I, I joked with them. I was like, "You do realize that's probably the only technologies over the last twenty years, seventeen years, that totally valid today. In fact, I'd argue more valid they, than they even were back then, uh, by far." And that was CSS and HTML.
2: Well, seventeen years ago, there was no CSS.
0: Well, true, right? that's true.
2: The only other one I would say is WinForms. Yeah, you know, yeah. the first Thunderforms is nineteen ninety one. Hmm. Right, so yeah. I I don't know that code was the thing that's the thing is interesting there is thinking that web page, you know, from you know, if we're talking seventeen years ago, so uh, 1995, 96 would still work in IE ten.
0: That's what's kind of funny about yeah. it. And that, anyway, the reason I brought that up was. Uh, I don't. When did CSS first come out? Is it more of the ninety six seven range? I don't even know.
2: IE six man. That's what makes IE six evil, right? Is they implemented a pre specification <laughs> version of CSS one that is totally unique, and nope. then no, never really fixed it.
0: Yeah. So the thing there is, you know, if you know CSS well and you're doing whether it's tablet or desktop, because you asked about the whole touch premise on the yeah. tablet. And although this one was kind of, this was definitely geared towards the browser, but if somebody had an iPad, you know, at least it would work. Um, That's where I think, you know, if you know your CSS well, and you do the whole responsive design and all that fun stuff, now you can, you know, it's pretty easy with CSS to change the height of a row, for instance.
2: Yeah. But, you know, this is another angle on the responsive design. I think when most people talk about... Uh, responsive design and web apps, they're talking about the CSS3 trick of switching controls when the, when the screen size changes. But yeah. Can you also recognize that the pointing methodology, it's either touch or mouse, you know, someday it might be gesture. Can you be responsive to that?
0: Yeah, and, and that's another challenge, I think, is, uh, you know, for simple touch, as in click, no big deal. But obviously, once you start doing hold to press, Or the gestures you mentioned, you know, now we're talking you need a real library to kind of help you out there. Because I don't think anybody wants to write that code to figure out the deltas between the X and Y movements, you know. Not more than once.
1: Hey, Dan, have you had any experience with Kendo UI, Telerik's uh, jQuery framework? You
0: know, I have played with it. Um, uh, Todd, uh, their head evangelist guy, uh, you know, gives some talks out at uh, Dev Connections. And uh, I've played with it. It's actually pretty cool looking, but I haven't used it in a project yet.
1: And what about Icenium? I don't think I know what that one is.
2: Icenium was announced uh, by Telerik at TechEdge US, and it's their new cross-platform mobile development uh, system. It's still in beta. You have to get invitation codes, but it works with the uh, Kenda UI tools to be able to build web
1: apps yeah 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 i have not played with it though but i know know what you're talking about now yeah and i believe it ties in with PhoneGap to do that client appy thing (laughs) without really being a
2: client (laughs) app (laughs) well we, we haven't talked about this directly yet but i think it's important this idea that i mean there's html5 in the browser on the tablet or the phone and there's html5 in the wrapper on the tablet and the phone that's right I think they're both pretty compelling, you know, you got to battle which one makes more sense. The PhoneGap guys themselves said we think we're a transitory technology that once everything else works right, you probably won't need us, but while it doesn't, you're going to need us. I don't know that they're right. I certainly don't think Adobe, who now owns them, thinks that way.
0: Yeah, that's that's really big though now. Uh, I I happen to know cuz one of the companies we do some work with uh SAP bought uh Sybase, I guess. And Sybase has a product that um, they call it a container, but it's it's really a, a phone gap, you know, implementation pretty much, that allows you to get SAP-type data uh, or Sybase data onto different devices. Mm-hmm. And there's a, one really big company that everybody knows. I'm, not, I'm just not allowed to say because of the agreement I have, but uh, they're using that really heavy internally so that they can run on uh, the different tablets out there, and you know, Android and iOS and everything, and have one code base. And it's not—I um, know the guy that's in charge of this project for the company really well. And you know, it's not like writing native code, obviously. Yep. The scrolling performance, as an example, if you have a big list, is you'll see those jumps, you know. Yep. But I think that's going to get better and better as browsers come out. I mean, I'm hoping like Windows Phone 8. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see, but. I'm hoping, given the fact that IE 10 is going to run on it, that the scrolling is pretty silky smooth. We'll see how it does on the
2: hardware. But I also recognize that there are two distinctly different classes of mobile apps here. The ones that are going into the app store competing for consumer eyeballs are the ones that you need to take advantage of the platform. It has to be an optimal solution, or you're going to be out-competed. And those are going to be native apps every time if you're going to win. But when you're talking about corporate apps, where there is no competition, this is the app you will use. Yep. Cost of development is the driver. And so you're going to get a somewhat inferior, you know, or a good enough experience out of these cross-platform solutions.
0: And that's exactly what they're doing because we talked about that. And he's like, yeah, we're not, you know, yeah, it's not silky smooth, but it works. Yep. And he goes, we just don't have the resource. I mean, this is a, you know, multi-billion dollar company, but he's like, even with that, we just don't have the resources to have iOS developers and Android developers and Windows Phone developers, and BlackBerry, and, you know, whatever. Yeah,
2: the alternative is everybody must use iPhone, or everybody must use Android.
0: Yep, yep. which they, given the size of the company, that will never happen with them. Mm-hmm. So, yep, I'm with you. If it targets consumer, then obviously looking at the native is, you know, obviously a good thing, because you're just going to be out-competed.
2: Yeah, I think when, it, when in, I think when you're building a competitive product, you've got to take it all of the advantage you can, or somebody else will. And when it's yeah. a non-competitive product, when the, the measure is is not you know sales, but rather uh, cost of development, then these cross-platform approaches are uh, excellent, and they're going to persist. I, that's where I think stuff like phone gaps never going to go away because we, the idea that I can write in one common set of language or the common set of skills deployed to all those devices that is compelling, and I'm going to keep that.
1: Well, and look at the success of Xamarin for that. I mean, you know, they, that that is essentially what they're Offering mm-hmm. more or less, but and in, in you know going all the way down to a native application,
2: they yeah, they are still compiling a native, which is pretty cool. You still have to learn the individual UI so the subwork there. There's there's a hybrid, I think. Yeah,
1: they but, are. the the You have the code that is shared among all those uh platforms, and then the UI code is completely different for each. But you know what? That's life, though. Yeah, I look at stuff like Kendo and I drool because. If you go to kendoui.com, look at the demos, demos demos.kendoui.com, just tool around in there and see what can be done. You you wonder, this is JavaScript? Oh, my God. It's
0: amazing, actually. Um, You look at some of the, like, the charting they do. Oh, yeah. There's some really nice charts in there um, and some of the different custom controls they have. And like I said, I've only played with it. I haven't used it in a product yet, but it's pretty impressive.
1: Like a splitter. When was the last time you saw a Splitter on a web page?
0: Nice. Yeah, in fact, another nice thing about that is uh, this just came up a couple weeks ago with this company was we had that big topic, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes ago about, well, if you have all these libraries, what's going to happen down the road? Hmm. Um, You know, and that's not a knock on open source. It's just reality is that you're going to have conflicts and things are going to come up between them and then you get into the jungle and, you know, all the fun stuff there. The nice thing about, these companies like uh, Telerik coming out with Kendo UI and things is now, at least if you want, you can get support. Yeah. You know, if you, because I think they have a paid support option and stuff. Yep. And that's actually a big deal for uh, some of these companies building line of business apps that, you know, they can't count on the same people being on the team for that long, obviously. You just don't know it these days. So having a steady, constant framework that's actually backed by someone is becoming, I think, a bigger deal.
2: Yeah. Well, that's the thing is you've got the open source product, So if you don't want to spend money on Kendo UI, you can, and, and it's never going to go away that, you know, they're, they're taking good care of that. But for these corporate developers, it's like, you know, the cost of this is not that important. The, the fact that somebody's backing back me and that it's going to continue to get rev for every platform I need to support those kinds of things. That's way more important. I like this model that both things are there for you.
0: I think it makes sense. And it, I mean, think about it. if you're a manager and I come into you and, you know, say, Hey Richard, uh, I'm looking at going with this library, or we could go with this one that has support. Well, which one are you going to pick? Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's kind of a no brainer. Yeah. It, it, it is important. And, you know, having those two things together makes a awful lot of sense. And, and not, but not also pairing you with any limitations for just being able to get in there and get to work. I don't have to buy it to find out whether I like it or not. I could take it out for a spin, build some stuff with it, and then decide, uh, all right, we're going to need long term support on this thing. It needs to be part of our package.
0: Well, what's beautiful about that, too, is it uh, the mobile integration you know, piece is, uh, obviously, that just makes it that much easier. So it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's amazing. Like you said, just since we last talked, which was October, I think you said, wow. I mean, it's been less than a year, and things sure move fast.
2: And I think we're still on the cusp of the major disruption that as Win 8 actually gets out of the marketplace and this next generation of tablets get out, the new iPhone— C- clearly there's another kindle fire coming you know yep. the trouble's only beginning we talk six <laughs> months from now it's going to be whoa what was that
1: well you know and the other thing that bugs me is i hope it's not a race to the bottom with these devices yeah in other words they get so cheap that the the the, the crap factor creeps in but you, what was happening to laptops
2: a few years ago yeah exactly where you know that the the, the six hundred dollar laptop was a really crappy laptop
1: uh, never yeah. mind the three hundred dollar laptop, yeah. which or four hundred dollar <laughs> laptop. And
0: we'll con- we'll contrast that with the new MacBook Pro I just bought, <laughs> uh,
1: which is
2: not six hundred dollars.
0: <laughs> that one, uh, yeah. In fact, one I had, I just put Windows eight on another. It was a six hundred dollar laptop. It was a Toshiba, and it was actually a pretty good laptop. It was several years old, but um, man, it brought that thing back to life. Hmm. But yeah, contrast that. The whole reason I got the MacBook Pro was the hardware, um, and I can run both, you know, on there. And, I don't know, I think, I hope there'll be this, this differentiation, like you're saying, because, man, I, I think if everybody raced to the bottom, like you said, there's going to be a lot of crap out there.
2: There will be. And I felt like the iPad, the tablet in general, but the iPad specifically, saved the laptop because it split the market apart. Here was a device clearly cheaper, clearly not intended for all the same purposes, and it sort of let the, let the laptop come back up over the $1,000 mark. And I never thought about it. That's a good point. It sort of bounced back up. But I also feel like the Kindle Fire, that 199 was is so low. And I still think the Nexus 7 struggles with this. It's so cheap that you've got power concerns. that You can't do a bunch of stuff you want. So I, I actually think the laptops are in a comfortable place right now. And the the tablet space is really wrestling around trying to figure out what's the right price point for what kind of capability. So
1: did you, I read today that the uh, U.S. State Department canceled a contract they were going to have with Amazon for sixteen million dollars worth of <laughs> Kindle Kindle uh, uh, Touch readers. Interesting, because those are like a hundred
2: bucks a shot.
1: Yeah, they were going to buy thousands of them, and they basically and it, they just announced today or maybe yesterday that uh, as of this, that we're recording this on the 17th, right? Yep. That they just announced that they're going to look at, re-examine the market. And I wonder why they're re-examining the market because now the, you know, the rumor is that the, the I think it's because the Windows RT, Surface tablet yeah. rumor. The the purchasing cycle, I mean, if they're talking about writing radio
2: Kindles, not even Kindle Fires, the purchase cycle of the government is so slow. Like by the time they actually buy that stuff, you know it's gonna be three generations behind. Yeah.
1: Well, they were all set to pull the trigger on this one and they backed out. Wow. That's interesting. Your tax yeah. dollars are
0: work. <laughs> by the by the time they do buy something, like you just said, it'll be the equivalent of buying Windows N T. Yeah. That's true.
2: On the other hand, it's not necessarily a bad thing. At least it'll be stable, reliable, cost effective. Mm-hmm. You know. I love my Kindle. I still do. Read read a book on the way flying home.
1: I thought you were gonna say I love my Windows N T. <laughs>
2: i don't have any nt4 boxes spinning anymore but i got a couple of
1: 2003 r2s out there still that was a great operating system yeah truly when 2000
2: all right we're totally nostalgic yeah i home. know <laughs> all right
1: so dan what's next for you what are you doing what are you working on later
0: uh so the other fun stuff we're doing uh we have a unity 3d project still going wow um it's uh One of those self-funded projects. This isn't one for a customer, so it's uh, it's been going about eight months, and it's looking cool. Whether or not it ever makes it out, we'll see. The the boss, if you know who I mean, is starting to uh, want to shut down the project, so we'll see how long it lasts. But uh, that's that's pretty fun area if you haven't played with it, because you you can target iOS and uh, Android and Windows and Mac, and from one code base, and you can actually use MonoTouch to develop it. So. Uh, uh, hmm. Mono-develop, sorry. Mono-develop. So pretty pretty fun stuff. Uh, other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm still doing a lot with XAML and JavaScript and all that fun stuff.
1: Sounds good, Dan. Keep up the good work. And uh, thanks for talking to us.
0: It was great. Always oh, great to talk to you guys.
1: Always oh, fun. Likewise. We'll see you next time on The Tablet Show.
0: It's not too much
1: but it means a lot just try.